This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 844. Brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 844. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. This is my co-host, Josh Flanagan. Useless. Useless. <laughs> Joining us this week in the third chair, Dr. Ryan Haupt. Hey, y'all. And we can you, are can anybody identify the quote of what I said? Connor, do you know what that is? I Those do know. Words? Okay. And I'm trying to think of what it is. I know what it is. Oh, okay. But you can't ask uh, me these things at early in the morning. I'm just I, I I figured you'd at least find it familiar, and I'm happy because no, I'm guessing it it's a, it's a low percentage reference, but also one I love. What Stick around at the it? end of the show, and maybe I'll tell you who said "useless, useless" as his dying words. Oh man! Oh, oh! Sixty-five. There is a there, but there. Oh, okay. There is actually a um. I read an interesting article by David Simon. Remember, he was developing the show in Lincoln? Yes. And he made a very compelling argument that it wasn't what he said. That it was what the soldiers told people he said for uh, propaganda reasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. Are we allowed to talk about that before you give him the spoiler warning? Do we need to give the spoiler warning first? <laughs> yeah, John Wilkes Booth <laughs> said useless, useless in the... In the uh, um, what's the word for when a thing is is in popular culture, but it's... Anyway, uh, that's Zeitgeist. supposedly what he said right before he died. No. Yes. Now, but, this, is uh, while, yeah. this is while Dr. Mudd was working on him? Look. No, no, this is after he ran away from Dr. Mudd's yeah. smoke in uh, Boston Corbett. Uh, apparently sh- shot the bullet out of the burning barn. Who is into this, by the way? <laughs> this is the earliest and deepest I have ever derailed a program. I think, Go ahead I think with the talk. Simon, wasn't Simon's argument that it was, it was close to the name of his paramour and he was reaching for his locket with her picture? That's what he was. That's what he was really saying. Yeah, that sounds much more plausible than useless, useless. Anyway, where are we in the script? We are a fanboy. Never read a bunch of comics. One of us <laughs> reads their stack of comics, and we call it the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book, other books. Sometimes we've got a lot of books. Sometimes we've got fewer books. It depends on the week, really. The week leads the way. The week is the true producer. We're wow. talking about that. That's deep. Those books on the show. Sometimes we li- we, we do listener mail. Sometimes we have to skip listener mail. And we apologize, and we do we always feel bad about it. And here's here's your spoiler warning: exercise some caution. We might spoil the books. We might spoil who killed John Wilkes Booth, um, who killed Lincoln. All those things might be spoiled on the show. This week, Ryan, you had the pick. I did have the pick, and the pick of the week this week was the Amazing Spider-Man number nine hundred and two. That's legacy numbering, folks. And the story is Zeb Wells, art by John Romita Jr., inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Marcio Meniz. And letters by Joe Caramagna, or Joey C, to put it in the, the parlance that has been used in the email thread up to this point. Um, yeah, we had a, I, I think we all had a lot of books this week. And of all the books I read, this it came down to this was the one that I had the most fun with. It just felt like a really classic 
Spider-Man story, you know, it starts uh, with the cliffhanger from last issue. The vulture has dropped him from a great height after ripping uh, his web shooters apart. So he's falling down into Central Park with no web shooters to stop his fall. And he has to figure out a way to not die because Spider-Man, even though he's incredibly powerful, like there's some fun limitations that you can have with the character, like just dropping him from really high. And um, he's been in communication with Norman Osborn, who is reformed and trying to do the right thing and has even built him a sort of goblinized new spider suit and because his suit and web shooters and all that stuff gets badly damaged by the vulture but the vulture is still trying to kill him and like the vulture is really mad because his granddaughter has rejected him because she's learned from spider-man the vulture's true nature and so adrian tombs is very upset about that and taking out his anger on spider-man instead of uh, getting getting some therapy at betterhelp.com and uh <laughs> no free advertising this week pal <laughs> So Peter eventually uh, is able to get his hands on the, the new suit from Norman. Now he's got like a spider glider. And so he's kind of like part Spider-Man, part Green Goblin. And he's, using that, he's able to um, take down Vulture. And then he and Norman come to an agreement where Peter's going to go work for Oscorp. So I just, I loved the cliff. You know, I love the sort of solving the problem of falling from a great height. I like the, I like a debut of a new suit that you know is not going to stick. because Spider-Man changes his suits pretty often. And um, I like the sort of relentless optimism that Peter shows and willing to give his own villains a second chance, even though it's probably not going to work out. Norman's going to turn on him somehow, but you know, and, and he's experienced that multiple times. Mm -hmm. Like he just won't stop reaching for the electrified cupcake. He can't, but that's, but that's part it. of his yes. heroism. And I just, I really liked it. Um, so that I, I just had a lot of fun reading this. I thought John, John Romita Jr. Was the artist when I first started reading Amazing Spider-Man regularly, which was during Straczynski's run. Um, so I, you know, he's uh, one of my favorite Spider-Man artists. And, and it's just, I thought, really sung on the page, uh, looking at his his art and the story was just super propulsive. And I just really dug the hell out of it. Josh, the uh, the uh, electric thing that the creators can't stop reaching for is the glowy spider on the chest, which is back now. Oh, I didn't even notice it. But it's okay, because yeah. this is not like the main, this is not the A suit. It's just. I know, I'm just saying. I it makes think, sense. It's back. It's back. Uh, this was also my pick of the week, by the way, too. It was also your pick of the week, really? Yeah, I love this. I love this issue. It, what I really liked about it was all the things you said was, were right. Like, the how to, how's he going to get out of this cliffhanger was fun. And the Ramita art was terrific. But I also really like the minor sort of head swerve they gave us in which, you know, Peter's Peter calls up Norman for help. And Norman says, I can't come help you. You know, good luck. Sorry. And then he and then he breaks the phone, smashes it, and I'm like, you think, oh God, it's Norman's back, right? He's he's still mm -hmm. evil and unhinged. But what we find out later was he he broke the phone because he's frustrated that he can't go help because Sin, Sin Eater took away his sin and he can't he can't get back on the glider because once he does, it'll all come back. back. Like it's almost like he, he's an he's an addict, right? So it yeah. was the it was a reversal of what we thought was happening, which I thought was a nice little. I, I think Zeb mm -hmm. Wells is terrific. He was a one of the one of the brand new day writing team, and I always liked his issues quite a bit. I think he's a very good Spider-Man writer, and I think he's a very good comic writer. And I think this whole issue is terrific. Doing, he's been doing mostly the TV shows, like the animated Marvel yeah. shows, I yeah. think, for a while. I, I I also really like this a lot. I don't know about pick of the week, but I didn't really pick one. Um, <laughs> and I think that for me, this uh, run is filling in the same way that the Dan Slott run filled in for Fantastic Four, and I was just like, oh, we're back. We're reading Amazing Spider-Man now. Right. There's not, like, all the drama in this is, there's obviously the danger of falling from great heights and then how he's going to figure that out. And the but he's got the right amount of soapiness. 
Right. Well, but then the drama comes from the interpersonal relationships, which are all messed up because they're criminals and villains, but at the same time, incredibly intimate. You know, Harry, I'm not Harry, um, Norman Osborn and Peter Parker have such a like a long history together that's intertwined and it's just so rich like it but it's you know but it's melodramatic it's, it's soapy i guess is is personally the way to do it same thing with with uh the vulture here like there's a personal nature to it that is different mm-hmm. than i just want to smash you because stilt man's in the in the road you know it's 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 all little and personal it's like a family book uh in a way and also um you know I, i've said this you know ramita fits on some things and not others and as his style is changing over years it doesn't work for some things but here i love the big panels i love that like it's so straightforward the comic book storytelling in it like the faces fill the panels up and he's not it's it's almost like we've said with, with some people like oh they really fill in the background and do whatever and he's putting all of the characters like stage front like that's where they are. We're seeing their faces. We see the action. The camera's in really close to everything, um, and it makes this feel present. It makes it feel immediate, but also it makes it feel like it's of another time because this isn't what comic book art looks like most of the time. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's just. I, I really, I see there's a new Amazing Spider-Man, and then I say, no, no, the Sin Eater part's over, and I go, oh right, right, and then I start reading it, <laughs> and I enjoy it, and it's over so soon. Yeah, I, and I mean that in a good way. I, you know, I won't. Especially more. this issue. I, I thought I'm looking at the art now, and the the opening scene where he's falling is terrific. And then there was there was and then like immediately afterwards, Vulture, you know, co- you know, grabs him at high speed and takes him up, and then throws him into a brick chimney. And it's just you can just feel the sort of the the hit there because mm-hmm. the way he's drawn it. Yeah. And I thought, God, he's really fucked up. Like he's really fucking. Ramita does like, a really good battle damaged Spider Man. Yeah, and yeah. You know, it's almost like this issue is almost like watching a side scroller video game, right? It was just like it was constantly moving to the right. And, you know, there was no let up in this fight between Vulture and Peter. Even when Peter, you know, runs off to get a new suit and shows up on his little spider glider and he's got his glowy spider chest thing going on. It was still very, it kept moving, 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 moving. And, you know, it was, this is a terrific issue. It was like, this is a comic book one one stuff. Do you know what else I've, I've liked that, that adds to this is that uh, I've been seeing um, reels of John Romita pop up on Instagram and he's mm-hmm. sitting at his drawing table and he just seems so goddamn cheery about working on comics. <laughs> no, like it translates. Like I see him there and I was like, I can see, he's like, well, we're off to draw again. You know, he's got a little bit of that old New York man thing, yeah. but also like he seems as young and energetic and excited about it as ever. And I mean, he could be putting on a Stan Lee-like show, but you know, I like... I don't know that he needs to do this anymore. You know what I mean? Right. Like he could just do covers and 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 convention pieces, and he'd make as much or more money. He's still doing it because that's how I'm his sure dad he made did it. That's how he did it. Ass. You know, he doesn't need to do this anymore. Yeah, and so when you're you know in your sixties, that that's correct, right? You know, and you you know he's he's a comic book. He, if he's seventy, he looks amazing. Um, he, wear, he works out a lot. I see his arms. He doesn't wear. He doesn't wear. Sleeves. I know that, but. It's true, but it, but either way, like you know, it, whether it's he's true or not, I want to believe that. He, I I want to believe that he loves this, and yep. and I I every indication is that he does, and that means a lot. That adds a lot to it. It's also very Spider Man if you think about it. You know, like I just got to keep doing this thing because it's what I'm here to do. You know, and right. and that's his job is to draw comic books, and that's what he does. You know, and and he does it great. 
I think if anyone does genuinely enjoy everything that goes into doing comics, it's got to be a Romita, right? I mean, he's yeah. What else has he known? You know, this Nothing. is it. And if you're still 66 and you're still doing a monthly comic or mm-hmm. whatever this is, is it double biweekly? I don't even know, but you've you've got to like doing it. You know, and then yeah. he, he's still very, very, very good at it. You know, yeah. So I, I, I'm always ha- happy when Amazing Spider-Man comes out. I loved issue 900. I loved 901. But nine, 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 this was this was terrific. This really, this I sometimes I don't I pick a pick a week. Was not my week. Sometimes I, sometimes I don't. Just in my head. But um, this was def- I finished this. And I was like, oh, I mean, that's I mean, that's the pick of the week. Despite the fact that they gave mm-hmm. him a suit that displays emojis on his face. I, I no, also don't terrible, like it when Spider-Man's mask is a helmet. I don't think Spider-Man doesn't need a helmet. It's weird. Well, he's the it's the it's the front chunk of it, like uh like the goblin. It's a goblin costume. Yeah. I love his spider glider, by the way. <laughs> it's so dumb, but it is so I mean, again, that's I, yeah, how and he like how he can how he can control it with his web shooter is just uh-huh. that's silly. Very fun. Peter has like Mount Olympus sized amount of forgiveness in him if he's teaming up with the guy who killed his girlfriend. I like that it's never identified as such. We all just accepted the term spider glider because we're that. I mean, we're, I think we're just that deep into the spider glider. Like, yeah, of course, oh, I, we'd be called a spider glider. I don't even know if they said that, but I was like, when I, I, was I don't saying, think I was they like, did. I was when I was saying, I was like, well, this is right. Right. It's <laughs> There's no yeah, question yeah. that that's not what, what it Stan is. would have done. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so then the next month we have Wolverine. So I'm, I'm, ex- this is, or whatever this book comes out. And that was another, like, that was another little, like, nice little tag at the end of it. I was like, oh, I'm legit. Like, I don't know how Wolverine's going to enter the picture, but I'm legitimately excited to s- see what it is. Cause it's the old, uh, good- brown and yellow costume. Yeah. It's a good Wolverine. Well, costume. it's not, it's not the old one. It's, it's his sort of new one. That's it. That recalls the old one. Uh, it exactly recalls it enough one. to make me yeah. happy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was good. The was one he was wearing Wolverine. when I started reading comics in the eighties. Right. So this week we had Tales of the Human Target, number one, which was a placeholder because the Human Target book, which I think we all are agreeing with, is one of the best books being put out, you know, went on like a five-month hiatus while Greg Smallwood could catch up. And it's, uh, anything that Greg Smallwood has to do to, to yeah. get the book done, I'm fine with waiting. But this, so this was a little like, uh, hey, you're waiting. Here's a little one-shot featuring the art of Kevin McGuire, Michael Jannon. Raphael Albuquerque and some interstitial pages by Greg Small, to which I say, let him draw the regular book. Don't make him draw these extra pages. <laughs> um, and this was fine. You know, this was fine. It was a bunch of short stories in which three characters who are involved in the main story, uh, Guy Gardner, Booster Gold, and Fire encounter uh, the human target in other cases. And it was fine. It gives us a little bit of I, a look into their personalities, which was might be useful for the main series. But otherwise, it was just sort of like a, it was whatever. Yeah, I thought I thought it was fun to read. I, I opened it and the first thing I did was like, how many pages is this? <laughs> and I checked and it was like 45 pages. And I was like, okay, that's fine. It's a little long, but we'll get through it. Um, and it was fun. I think uh, it, there was like uh, Tom King has a booster gold that he does, mm-hmm. which isn't which is a little above over the top. That I kind of enjoy, but I can only take so much of it. And this was at the very end of how much I wanted to take. <laughs> but at least he's got a take on him. Uh, I didn't know what the twist was going to be, what the reveal was here. I liked how each story had a different tone to it. 
I liked Guy's uh, self righteousness, but mm. also that he wasn't wrong. He said, "There's a line. There was a line here, and and I know that this isn't exactly true because it turned out not to be who we thought it was. But um, he's talking about this cult and how it attracts these people, you know, and its arrogance that he hates. And he said, "That's what I saw. It was a fancy boy on all lecturing at everybody. He wasn't brainwashed by that cult. No, those people just freed him to be who he always was." And I was like, "Oh, that's uh." Yeah. That's telling me a lot about America, and I, I thought that that really stood out to me. I thought it was a great panel. Um, you, Connor, you always have you have issues with modern coloring on Kevin McGuire. Yeah, this is better. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, and then finally, I thought that the Raphael Albuquerque pages translated really nicely. Whatever the subtle adjustment he was to do, sort of the mainstream superhero pages, like I could tell it was Albuquerque, and I could not tell it was Albuquerque, and I, I thought it was. I, I thought he really did the job. As Albuquerque's I would have had a hard. A I would have had a hard time identifying this as Albuquerque if you hadn't told me. Yeah, his his work has changed a lot. I I, and I, I don't know if it's because he switched from physical to digital, but um, it's lost something. It's it used to have a, it really used to have a personality and texture, and it's gotten mm-hmm. more sparse. Um, but well, I mean, it the, might just this be is the better project. than I've seen in a while, right? I actually, I actually think of the three of them. The the fire story by Michael Jannon was my my favorite. They all had a different tone, and hers had that. Mm-hmm. Well, hers almost felt more, most like a Tom King story. So it was kind of a. It was like, ugh, this is a bummer. Um, but I didn't understand. It was, like, it was, it was one of those things. Like, it was, and I didn't understand it until it was over. You know, and I think that this gave us a lot of context that you don't need for the other story. But as it is, you know, he's written it. It's like there was side preacher issues that you didn't need to read, but it made the other story stronger. Um, and th- this feels like that. If you're going to put something in the middle, you know, at least it was high quality. I think. And, and to it, me, the most interesting thing about it was the final page, which was the the Greg Smallwood drawn um, ice page, in which yeah. she's clearly talking to all three characters, and it's heavily implied that, you know, which is what we suspected that she was basically a plant in the main book to go, you know, to to mm-hmm. suss out what he's doing and fig- you know get on the inside. And which is also like classic detective noir thing where the good girl is not as good as you think. And so, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, this stuff certainly wasn't bad. I just, you know, it was, it was as expected. Each story for me was, uh, you know, these clearly that he's the human target is one of these characters for each one. And so it was fine. I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it, but I'm looking forward to more. And next, next month, human target comes back. So I'm excited for that. Is it next month? That soon? So it's to be continued next month and then human target says seven. Well, there you go. Uh, public domain number three, which I always forget what it is. If you were to ask me two weeks after this issue comes out, hey, what comic is public domain? I would have no idea. So you love I'm the last at, issue so much. I loved all of them. This is this is one of my favorite image books right now, and I thought that this was the best of the issues so far. Um, you learn a little more about the sons mm-hmm. um, that you didn't know before, which brings context to so much of what has happened before. Um, this had a page in here of the there's because there's the brother so previously we had thought there's one brother who's like the forthright dude the one who looks like um Chip Zdarsky. Zdarsky. yeah and then there's the one who seems more like a fuck up but now you learn that the 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 one brother is actually a gambling addict and the other one you know he's a tattoo artist but he's he's not really a fuck up he just is a little looser with things than other anyway there's a page in here where it's one page it's a short story in itself in the comic book where he put a different tattoo on the guy than the guy wanted 
and then he gets it's fired. Really funny, and it, though. It's it's really funny. It's really well done. The tattoo is great. I know. <laughs> it's like, such an tattoo, improvement. The tattoo was so dumb initially, but I also love the fact that like the guy who runs the place is like, "Why did you do that?" He's like, "It's better." But then it cuts. That's not but then what it, they wanted. It cuts to the girl getting the Asian script, you know, the kanji yeah. on her back, and he's just writing "white person" on her back. So he's doing it too. He's not I a mean, good it's, tattoo it's, artist. Well, the art's great, but, yeah, but no, he, he's, he's bad at he's bad, he's bad at customer service. Yeah. His customer service is a big problem. Yeah. But I, I I just like that page. Like that page on its own would have been my pick of the week for the. I was like, <laughs> oh, it's just a, it's a perfect page. The only issue I had in this is that um, they changed time right yeah. after that and i got confused to who was who because now the shitty brother we cut to the yeah. yes. past and the shitty brother has just lost his job right after the other brother lost his job and i was like well why is his hair a different color and he's in brown now why is everything brown actually um and then we we sort of understand later that this is the past there's a little time jumping in here yeah. that doesn't quite work so um, we find out but, he, he owed money he owed ten thousand dollars to these gamblers serious guys and I've, Five thousand dollars, and then that's the past. And then later on, uh, now he owes sixty thousand dollars, and so they're really gonna fuck him up. Yeah, is the is the lawyer that he ends up hiring? Uh, is that the same? That's the same character from The Good Wife, right? The kind of quirky, basically. Yes, yes, basically. <laughs> uh, so then we end up. He ends up. His debt ends up causing his father to settle for sixty thousand dollars for the for the character, uh, which right. is right. You know, well, criminally well I mean, and but so that part, that first part, that's kind of interesting in its backstory. But then, as we get to the other half of it, then we move forward with the story that's been ongoing, and I, I just, I really like the the business thought that's going on here. I, I feel like this isn't like a full on. This is like an interpretation. It's dramatized interpretation of how this would work. But also, if you're a comic creator, you think about this stuff. You're involved with, sure. with these stories and these kind of people. The person who is like the publisher of quote unquote Marvel or whoever, she's got, you know, she's a complete badass in her office. Um, and then they, they make this deal. I also like that the family, as fucked up as everybody is, like the dad is like such the artist dad, such a good guy. You know, mm-hmm. he he's like, I'll pay you back, but I don't like bullies. And you're like, oh, man, he's going to Captain America, that bitch. And then they, they cut back to the future. Right. And so they feel like they got a score to settle with him. You know, the, the brother's not mad at the other brother. He's like, you have an addiction. What are you going to do? It's an illness. You know, I just you I like when the, there's the world against the core family, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's good when the family fights the Fantastic Four model. But in this, like, they're good people trying to do the right thing. But there's there's pressure be set on them and and you know the end the end thing is like i got the rights to the comics back and anybody who knows anything about comics is like no <laughs> <laughs> well first of all he's, he's thrilled look at his he's thrilled, thrilled. Yeah. look at his face but um they would never give their rights to i mean that's the foundation of the whole thing i mean the comics sure. run well they would never do that but uh i, w- I kind of wish this is such. This is a very, very, very minor thought when I read this book because I really, I like it a lot. I kind of wish he had a colorist because the coloring is kind of flat, sometimes distracting. I'm not. Fl- I often I prefer flat coloring. I, I think more. I'm thinking more of the the environments and the characters. Yes. Uh, yeah. The backgrounds. The backgrounds can be a little bland. He's doing a thing though where each scene, like I feel like it's more color theory going on. It almost like, looks animated the the technique of the coloring is is basic and i'm actually fine with that i love i love the character coloring i just wish the background coloring was a little better right but like so the first bit in the tattoo parlor you know it's all 
green and pink. And then no, I think you're, I think you're, yeah, I think you're onto something, Josh. It's brown and green. As we get into her office, it's pink and pink. You know, yeah, yeah, it's like each scene. It gives you a mood sort of about where they go out. They're outside and it's all blue. Yeah, you're right. He's doing themes here. That's cool. I don't know exactly what they mean, and I wish that they were used into slightly better effect uh, in terms of time frame. Well, Josh, it's uh, these are the Infinity Stones, right? So he's going to reveal. I just, like, like this is one of those instances where he he decided, I think, not to be like five years ago, and I think mm-hmm. he should have. I think that would have fixed everything. Yeah. Now, five years ago, whatever, and then all of a sudden you're good to go. Also, the brothers' haircuts are too similar. He needs somebody needs. Like the dad has a ponytail, someone needs some other shit or blonde hair. Well, I mean, I, you, are you saying you have trouble t- telling the brothers apart? When they switch times. If you look from when the brother, the, the tattoo guy gets fired mm-hmm. to the next page from that, the other brother, they have the exact same haircut, but the coloring slightly different. And it was confusing. Oh, I never have that trouble. Because one of them has black hair, one has brown hair, one's fat, one's skinny. Yeah, but all the coloring change. You went from this again. This we went from that purple thing. The, I thought the light. I was like, did the lighting change? And that's why oh, yeah. it looks that way. No, he has glasses on. I guess that's different. Yeah, but, I, I, uh, it, they look really different I to me. I don't have a problem. Well, it's because of the time change, though. That's why. Doesn't matter. Um, could use it a little better for me. Fantastic Four number six ninety one. The final issue for Dan Slot. The, there's epic run. Um, I, I'm standing up and saluting. We, we didn't. We didn't deserve it. Uh, it was delightful all the way through. Uh, I'm really gonna miss it. Yeah, and this was a classic um, epilogue issue. Yeah. Right? So the the story basically ended last month. This is we get to wrap it all up and you know reset. It, it, this is perfect. Like Dan Slott is the perfect guy to do mm-hmm. an incredibly long run. You know, fuck up everybody's lives, and then at the end of the end of the lives. He gets in the story. He gets to set everybody back on the board, which is what he's always done. You know, this issue is mostly about you know Johnny getting his 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 life back. He's not. He's no longer constantly novaing. That's what we've been well, waiting I was going to say. I like that the problem was really wasn't that it was like difficult science. Is we just didn't have time. <laughs> so right. now everything's been taken care of. All right, here you go. They'll help fix you. Give him some numbers. He's good to go. Like they just reset it. They didn't leave it like that. Which gives questions about what's happening in Amazing Spider-Man and how far in the future that is, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, this is, this is, you know, mostly rap. I, I don't know the point of this sister character. Um, she was kind of annoying and didn't really like her, but mm-hmm. um, she was mostly just an audience conduit into what, what was happening in the story itself. But I don't know that we needed it. It's, fr- it's just- frustrating when a new character is brought in and all they have to say is like, no. Like, no, I don't agree. And it's like, well, I mean, I, I knew, you know, I know comics aren't improv, but like it helps if you yes, I am the characters who are trying to do cool things. Yeah, she was annoying. Um, but, you know, the, the the little molecule man bit was fun. Like it was all the bits in here were fun. And, you know, you watch. The, she's going to be a main character in the movie. Ben, ben Grimm not choosing not to be turned to back into human was was good. A good character moment. Um. I thought this was all. This was all. This was a nice little epilogue to the story, and you know, however long, how many, however many issues it was, it was a, it was a grand run. And you know, normally these things end, and the writer or whoever gets a giant essay. <laughs> Dan Slott just wrote a little paragraph in the back. That's yeah. it. Let's move on. I'm like he's like he's like I'm done. This was fun. See ya. <laughs> I th- I just it was it was so fun and and let's give credit for introducing 
kids to a uh, to a story mm-hmm. and having it not suck. I mean, yeah. introducing a kid to the Oliver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just realized what I just said. Um, you know, the the Brady Bunch Oliver, uh, you know, edition or or uh, Chrissy, you know, to the every sitcom in our lives introduced a kid around season seven or eight. Run. Yeah. yeah, and it it just like it felt out of place and it was dumb. And and they did it in this, and it works. Like I don't want these kids to go away. I like Ben Grimm's little family. It's interesting and it's funny. I'm guessing that the next, you know, maybe not necessarily the next run, but some point point after that, somebody's going to lose the thread, and and screw it up, or they'll be like they're going to hit adolescence and then become violent or what, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be bad, but in this form as it exists right now, it's it's great. Yeah, and I also really liked um, Johnny coming out of his flame state not being mad or bitter you know right he comes out and he's like immediately hugging everybody he kisses ben Graham, and you know he's excited to meet the sister and it's like he's like not there's no bitterness he's not to running it. hot he, anymore right and the his his quote-unquote soulmate you know her, her band falls Sky. off so they're no longer soulmates and he's like he's just like fine with everything he's like you know he's just happy to be where he is but he's sad to lose her but he yeah. knows it's the right thing yeah that works it was the right thing. She was terrible. Um, <laughs> so this is a great run. This is one of the best Marvel runs in a long time, and I'm looking forward to what Dan Slott does next. I'm looking. For, I'm you know I'm cautiously optimistic about the next run of Fantastic Four. We'll see. I'll give it a shot. Do, do we know who's doing the next run? We do, but not at the top of my head. They're they're not names you you would recognize. But I don't know. I talked about it when they announced it, but it was. Uh, but I don't remember exactly. I did want to mention, speaking of ending runs, this is, we're, we're, we're one issue away from Deadly Class ending. This is Deadly Class 50, 55 came out this week. And uh, this is the this, this second last issue. It takes place in 2022. We're fully in the, in the present. I believe I talked about last issue. Maybe it wasn't on the show. Maybe it was just with Josh. I don't remember. But it, it was all about, it was clearly all about Rick Remender's angst about his TV show experience where he, you know, he did one season of Deadly Class on sci-fi. It's a terrific show. It was a really terrific show. And uh, didn't work out. And that that last issue was sort of exercising those demons. And this one, it's the pandemic. And Miguel, it's Miguel, right? That's the main guy's name, Miguel. Yep. Miguel and Maria, who are now married with kids, and they're in their forties. You know, he's got enough money from being a successful author and also uh, briefly a TV show runner that they are living on a resort in Hawaii. It's weird. Where did he come up with that stuff? <laughs> they're living in How a Hawaiian did, where resort. Did he think of that with his family and. Miguel is completely depressed and cynical and Maria's trying to get him out of it. It's sort of like, I feel like this is the, this is the angel and devil on Rick's shoulders that are constantly fighting. Cause sure. It's, they, the, it's like one, two, three, four, five, five page conversation with him and his wife about the state of the world and how awful everything is. And his, her, you know, her comment is like, this is the best time to be alive. There's no, no one's ever had a better life than people who are alive right now. And you know, it's, it's, it's the constant argument we were especially having in the, in the, in the depths of the pandemic with each other, but sure. We pull out of that to find that, um, uh, Shabnab and the other white supremacist kids from the school have put a hit out on Miguel and Maria and they're the next day they're going to get killed and, and their families as well. And, and, uh, Saya, his ex-girlfriend, the Japanese Yakuza, uh, leader finds out and, and she sort of struggles with herself, whether she's going to go rescue him because she has, some ill feelings towards getting dumped and turns out to be moot because she gets murdered by, by the hitmen from Shabnabs. It's like everything's coming together. All these characters that we've been following for years are getting killed. Uh, and so the next issue is all about will 
Miguel and Maria survive this hit squad that's going to show up to the island all by themselves because there's no, no there's no one left to save them. Everybody else is dead. It's, it's fair then to think that the author, who has put a lot of this, uh, a lot of himself into this, and when I say a lot of himself into this, I mean it's him. He is concerned that it is all going to be taken away from him because of his past. It's interesting. He, I, I, I sort of skimmed through the letters column because this was the final letters column. And at one point, uh, some kid wrote in asking about music because he he's, he loved the music in in the in the books. He's in college and he's sort of discovering you know old eighties punk and and he asked for some recommendations and Rick just goes, I don't have the energy for to give you recommendations. I just don't have the energy for anything anymore. And I was like, oh fuck. And jeez. And uh, but then you know he talks just, about also he he does a little wrap up on the letters column because this is the last one and he says, you know this is the last of his books from that image boom. You know, the one that Ron helped mm-hmm. make when he went over there. Like, right. Rick had like four, four or five titles going at that one, one point in the, in the early part. He still has four changed. or five titles going now, but this is the last one still being published. Right. You know, Black Science wrapped up, and, uh, you know, other books wrapped up, uh, Tokyo Ghost, that stuff. But, you know, we're, we're, we'll be at 56 issues pretty much monthly, which is, you know, what, five years or so. Um, yeah. And uh, this is clearly his baby. He made a TV show out of it, you know, and it's based, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of it's based on personal stuff. So. It's going to be interesting. I, Josh, you may want to just jump in and check out the final issue of this since you read it early in the run just to see. Right. But it, it's, it's clearly you can see a creator wrestling with his demons in this book, which is can be exhilarating but also concerning. Not Yeah, not a new move for Remender. No, not, not at all. That's what he does. This episode is brought to you uh, by iFanboy patrons and good folks. That's what we've talked about. Get over to patreon.com slash iFanboy. You can directly support the shows. That helps unlock new shows, some of the shows that we... I'm just going to say the word shows a lot. Shows, shows, shows and shows. It shows. shows. Uh, you can be a part of a great community. Um, there's a Facebook group and a Discord group, and uh, it's it's great. It's like that was the best part of the early days of iFanboys. This wonderful, amazing community, and, and with the internet being at as as it was even then and now, it was, it's such a rare, valuable thing. And and the, uh, I still think of all the sort of relationships and friendships that still exist. People who don't listen to the show anymore or mm-hmm. part of it, but I'm always like, oh, they're part of the extended family and that that stuff still exists in those places. Um, they're certainly treating me that way and I appreciate that. Um, uh, the next stretch goal, we we have that meeting. I actually, yesterday I was like, I got to schedule this meeting with the guys. We got to talk about the thing. We had a bunch of personal this. stuff happen that it meant, <laughs> it meant that this, this stuff kind of got backburnered. Not because it's not important, just because it's not as important as some other things that are more, more, yeah. more pressing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> pressing is a good word. That's an excellent <laughs> metaphor. Um, anyway, it, it, honestly, it's never been more important. Uh, if if you were thinking of supporting the show for all sorts of reasons, if this is what you're going to do now, um, please do so. It is not. You don't need to. If you can, if you think it's the right thing to do, if you want to, please do. Uh, it is not required. But for the folks who do, uh, know that we appreciate you very much. It makes a big difference uh, in our lives, and it lets us uh, be able to always keep doing this. My, my paying job. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to ifanboy.thrillist.com and buy a fuck ton of t-shirts, please. <laughs> go there, just buy all the t-shirts or the 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 goods and the sundries. Uh, we've got twelve designs there that can be put on a bunch of different things. I want everybody listening bought one t-shirt. Yeah, Josh would have less stress on his right. life. Yeah, get a skateboard. I want to see a skateboard with with Clint is dead on it. 
Mm-hmm. I was going to buy one, but that's not the option. Uh, you can go to ifamo.com slash support. Uh, there's a direct PayPal link. Uh, you can go to ifamo.com slash Amazon where you can buy uh, the books that we talk about in the books below. You'll see a link for the pick of the week. You'll see a link for the music that we use in the show uh, on the site. And that's just a general link that you can buy stuff there. Uh, there's bookshop.org. Uh, we partner with them to help out local bookstores if you need to get um, books uh, from the internet. One really good way to do it is to uh, use bookshop.org and, and you can get uh, you can either get it from the best books, uh, local books that they find or you can choose which ones you want to. Uh, those links will be on the website where appropriate. Let's move on to more comics. I just ordered, I pre-ordered a book from Bookshop. I've never I pre-ordered to, I just ordered three books from Bookshop.org this week. Yeah. A professor of mine from college has a book of poetry coming out that I wanted to get. You're never reading that. I actually, I, uh, we'll talk about it later. I've been on a bit hey, of like, real, real question. Was it a poetry professor or was it like one of your biology professors who does poetry? You know what? It's actually relevant because she was the professor that taught the course on comic books. It was uh, not just superheroes no, and funny she... animals. So that was where I read Mouse and Persepolis and Blankets and, and The Shadow of No Towers and a bunch of uh, um, Same Difference and Other Stories. A bunch of really good indie comics that, um, yeah. I sometimes think that you got older and grew up and then you talk about your first comics and I feel like an ancient, ancient man. <laughs> a little part of well, that starts I mean, to dust. Yeah, that's fine. College. Yeah. I understand. Uh, I was in college. You, you say college, I say I was 30. Whichever. <laughs> Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, number two. I read this, I read one and two together this week because one came out while I was on vacation yeah. and I just, kept, I just kept putting it off and I haven't read it, I haven't read it yet. I still have two books left from vacation I haven't read. I was reading this and I thought, why am I still reading this? Because this is like the third volume that Gene mm-hmm. Lun Yang's done with Shang-Chi. And it's like episode 15. Yeah, I mean, like it's not bad. Certainly not bad. This, I mean, this is actually issue uh, 140 of Shang-Chi. But, is that on the cover? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, it's, this is enjoyable. This particular arc is enjoyable. It's just, it's not great, but it's also not bad. And I think I just, because I just really like Yin Luen Yang. I think he's legitimately one of the best comic creators at work, at work uh-huh. but I just don't know that this is his strong spot. I, I actually put this on here because I want to say, I think this was a really fun issue, much for the same reason that I think the Spider-Man was a really fun issue. It was, like, he's got the rings and whatever, but his old girlfriend shows up, they mm-hmm. go on a mission together. There's a twist. I was like, just, just straight up, like this is what Shang Chi should be. This there's issue kung was, fu, was there's good. fighting. Yes. It was really, it was a fun, good old fashioned, good old superheroes, gosh, comic. And 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 I really enjoyed. It was over, and I was like, oh, that was really fun. That's what it. it there, there wasn't a lot of navel gazing and like, oh, my dad, this or whatever. It was just my girlfriend shows up. She's a sexy uh, MI five agent. Uh, oh, and it's our old partner here. There's like a guy with a with a sword claw hand you know it, it's all it was a little dumb it was a little 70s yeah. uh, and really fun <laughs> it did yeah 70s are, are very very like james bondy right like it's yep. yeah. you know mountain layer and and yeah. switcheroos and and scuba diving but then you have your clothes underneath your your wetsuit that's a very feel yeah. like james bond thing there's, there's pan- panthers at the gate he's like there's <laughs> still sure. panthers here that's great yeah i, was, I guy was loves panthers with it. my question is did, did this sort of reveal that Shang-Chi was originally British, like from Hong Kong? Feels because, like it. That's what I came up with. I was like, I bet because he's from Hong he's, Kong. Because he was MI6. Fine. And I was like, I don't think they let Americans right. in MI6. So no. I wonder if 
the history of the comic characters running into the current Marvel Cinematic Universe version because he that that one's clearly American and they they're writing him this way, but the past seemed to indicate that he was originally British. Yeah, I, was, Which, I don't know. I think they're the British services, uh, you know, would would let you in, but whatever doesn't matter. I am at the point as a comic book reader now where I I want I like that. I was like, you know what? Fine, make it make not sense. <laughs> like, let it be. I want to I want to see how they work this out. Like, I want to see them try to eat, have their cake and eat it too, and either have it work out or not work out. I just find it interesting now. Like, it doesn't bother me in the least. According to the um, internet, he was born in the Henan province of China. Well, that's not Hong Kong. That's interesting. I read a lot of DC versus vampires last week, as you may remember. Mm-hmm. And so this week I thought, well, maybe I should give this Task Force Z uh, <laughs> a, a, a try. What, what is this? I don't even know what this book this is. This is Matt Rosenberg's Suicide Squad book. Okay. But the, the, the twist on it is that... Um, the villains are all dead and have been reanimated. So he's got like a reanimated Bane and yeah, Z zombie uh, and, and uh, Kurt Langstrom and whatever. And so I just read 11, like having not read any of them. Jason, (laughs) Jason Todd is in charge. I love doing this now. I think that to me, if you can just read a random issue of a comic book, that's well done and it's still fun and makes sense to you, then they're doing a thing right. And they're doing a thing right. I went back. So I read 11 and it was fun. Eddie Barrows is an artist who I really like. You know, Matt yep. Rosenberg has an has an amazing gift of dialogue and character and plot. Like he's a great comic book creator, genuinely. And uh, and it was really fun. So I went back and I started reading it again. I've read issue one now, and I'm, I'll read the rest of them and catch up. But it's big and dumb. You know, it's it's a Jason Todd story. Um, you know, I've never liked Suicide Squad, and I don't like zombies, so that's why I didn't read it. And I was like, eh, I got to read what Matt Rosenberg writes. I just I you've never it, liked zombies. He doesn't, he doesn't like no, zombies. I liked like no, I don't like horror just in general, but like zombies, yeah. no. He doesn't no, like zombies. Wasn't a thing. Yeah, I liked I liked Walking Dead despite the zombies, but when it was a TV show, it was a zombie TV show, and therefore yeah. I didn't like it. Shaolin Cowboy, Cruel to Be Kin, number four, uh, mostly by Jeff Darrow, with colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Nate Picos. Did, have either of you ever read any Shaolin Cowboy? Forever I ago, that, I, I, that, I appreciate and know Jeff Darrow, but. Didn't we read the it's first art, issue of him. this? I Was don't know. I think I tried pick? to and couldn't. Maybe. No, I, I never read it. Not this. I tried to. I saw it, and I at some point I thought, oh, I want to catch up on this when there's a number one, but I missed it or something. Shaolin Cowboy was one of those books that I, back when I worked in a comic shop and I just was devouring everything on the shelves, this, this book was still being published and coming out so I, i've read all of the original ones so when i saw there was a new series i was like oh that's fun i'll give it a i'll give it a try and it's exactly what i remember it's this crazy post-apocalyptic sort of mad maxi like environment very deserty um but it's the shallon cowboy who's this ex shallon monk who now just wanders the wastelands uh and he's got a, a little pet komodo dragon who's following him around and the komodo dragon's dad is trying to eat him and that's the cruel to be kin joke of it all and he just goes around fighting weird monsters and stuff in the desert and it's it's really straightforward but the the in terms of story but the the selling point is the art i mean the art is just crazy gorgeous if you're into the jeff darrow hyper detailed uh hyper violent style of of things so i see so issue one came in third for patron pick i think i read it that week because it was like in the mix and also, I, I haven't read Jeff Darrow in forever, so I, I think I read the issue and it didn't do anything for me, so I, don't, I never read anything more. It reminds me a little bit of the Anthony Bourdain book, the Get Hero, that he did a while ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but obviously this predates that but it's if you read that and enjoyed the sort of are these zany, reprints no this is a new story as far as i know oh, okay right okay but the property is old yes yeah. the property shell and right cowboy is an old property old property yeah it's yeah. dark horse right it's dark horse right yep yeah. Yep, yep. So Cold I just thought it was cool that there's a new new series coming out. Just wanted to mention it for folks who maybe hadn't thought to check out a Shaolin Cowboy book before the end. Or just like, if you've never checked out Jeff Darrow, Darrow before, like yeah. you should do that. You need yeah. to oh, yeah. you need to you need to know. Folks need to know. Um He's crazy. We haven't been to Star Wars Corner in a little while. And, well, and yeah, the last time Ryan was on the show, you did. Yeah. Well But you weren't here, so it wasn't it wasn't true. as much fun. It doesn't count. Uh I've been reading Darth Vader. Since the beginning, so this is Star Wars Darth Vader number twenty six. There was a volume or two before that, so we've been having a pretty regular Darth Vader book for a while. Um, mostly, it was between it was Karen Gillan and then Charles Soule, and now it's Greg Pak. And uh, <laughs> this book's and hilarious. Now this is pod racing. Yeah, I mean, like it's like it's so dumb that if it's you told so me that dumb. this is what it was on paper, I would be like, I'm not reading that. It's ridiculous. And I feel but like- basically. Half the book was flashbacks to the prequels. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was, which I was kind of like, that's brilliant. You didn't even have to write half the book. You just did scenes from the prequels. And, and here's the thing. Like, I, like, the prequels are terrible movies. I don't, I don't care how old you're when they grow. Like, they're awful movies. But I am very intimately familiar with at least episode one. And so Well, yeah, we saw it 15 times in the theaters. Right. No, it, but it, like, it, it's, it's bad like I would have, uh, but it it tickles me. It it delights me. It doesn't even matter that it's bad. Now it's taken years for me to come to grips with that. So here's the deal: Sabe, who was the body double for um, Padma, the rose um, is that the Rose Byrne one? Yeah, whatever. Um, All right. She shows up and he thinks it's Padme, but it isn't. And so she, but she needs Vader to do something. And, and Vader, you know, like he's a badass, but he's kind of a little like. All right, because he looks that like Anakin at that point. Old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anakin. Uh, yeah, but he's Vader in this, and they go to this, they go to this planet, and it's all the people who were his friends when he was kids on Tatooine. So there's Kitster, and there's a the little Greedo kid, <laughs> and there's a big storm, and the solution is that he has to. They need some. The only thing they can use the is a giant pod racer, and they're like, "But who's gonna fly this pod racer?" And Vader's like. Ugh. So he takes off on it. Now nobody knows that he's Anakin. It's the dumbest thing, and I love it. It is so stupid. Stop <laughs> it was the Karen the Karen Knightley one. So you yeah, can yeah, stop yeah. writing your stop writing your emails. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Also, Kira if Knightley, you wrote your, it doesn't matter. It's not the point. Um yeah, no, it, it's 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 ridiculous. I was like, and in like the and it's, drawing, a, and it's in a sand, it's in a sandstorm, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. we know that Darth Vader hates sand. And like, we, and it's we, it's got to be even worse when you're in the Vader outfit. We flash back to a whole page of the scene from the movie where he's talking about how he hates sand. I was like, this doesn't need to be here. You guys <laughs> are fucking with us. <laughs> yeah. I've, I haven't seen that movie since not, not 2002. I know about the sand. Josh, question: If this was a sh- TV show, would you enjoy, it? or is it because it's a comic that you're enjoying it? It's comic. Yeah, it's absolutely because it's a comic. I wouldn't sit through if it was a TV show. But in this, like, I like, you know, we know comics. We talk about. I like watching them try to, because I think in this one you can get away with being wackier. Like, you, like look at this dumb comic shit, and you get like when they cut to the pod racer it's ridiculous you know like a pod racer's like two engines that are towing like yeah. a little thing yeah. this is like two gigantic engines <laughs> like they're they're comically large and like he sits at a little thing at the top in the back of it 
and they crashes it, of course. And uh, yeah, it's fun. It's it's so dumb. I I really had fun reading it. I have I've like all the Darth Vader books. Yeah, you have like I've, I've dropped got, most yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, and he's got his little cast of characters. Like you know, he's got Sabe. He's got Ochi of Bestoon, who I should be annoying, but I I find kind of uh, charming and delightful. Agree. Um, I also I tossed why. on Star Wars Hyperspace Stories by Amanda Diver and Lucas uh, Maragon. And I only did this because this is a Dark Horse book. And I just, how is this happening? I wondered the same thing. I don't have an answer. I just saying right. I wondered it. So it's um it's a very, it's a it's Clone Wars era story of a Wookiee uh, diplomat and his daughter uh, getting helped out by Obi-Wan and Anakin. Oh, wait, were you, and, sorry, uh, were, you, were, were you asking about the rights? Yeah. So I, I think it's because it's a animated book. The rights are different, so like Marvel farm has farmed out like all of the the YA kids rights to other other companies. So I think, uh, okay, I think, so yeah, this because I knew IDW was doing some stuff. Yes, yeah, so I'm pretty but, sure because it's a, it's based in Clone Wars and it's considered part of a different rights hmm. package. So that's why. It's so yeah, Wars it's a little flashback Marvel. story to an adventure that um, Anakin and, and Obi Wan and Padme had back in the day, and it's got some Wookies. And I don't know, it, yeah, it definitely felt YA. You know, I, I just checked it out because I was curious what Dark Horse was doing with these books, and that's that. so. This wouldn't be canon then. No, well, yeah, I think Clone Wars. Clone, well, Clone Wars just. I know, canon. but I know, but it's but it looks like this is going to be maybe an anthology style. So like the next the next issue is a different creative team. The next issue is Cecil Castellucci and Megan Huang. Do you so, know that uh, Debert is German for the Bert? Oh, that clears it up. Thank you, Josh. That's what I needed. <laughs> so those are the books we wanted to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. This week, the patrons, by an overwhelming margin, it was like the, the most votes a book has gotten in a long time. The winner was Minor Threats, number one, from Dark Horse Comics, written by Patton Oswalt and Jordan Blum, with art by Scott Hepburn and colors by Ian Herring and Nate Picos, again, on letters. And this is a Batman... DC pastiche that is you know not unusual in comics is to do a version of the classic heroes and I think the overall pl- pl- plot of this story is the Joker kills Robin all the heroes get pissed off and all the minor villains at the end team up to go find the Joker and turn him in because otherwise it's gonna get real bad for them because the heroes are pissed that seems to be the overall plot of this book well, it's yeah. sort of, it's, I think it was, I, I had a slightly different read on it where it's when the Robin character gets killed, the Batman character goes so insane that he's going to start killing villains and the heroes can't let that happen because it'll ruin their reputation. Right, that's what, what and the villains the, and the villains yeah. don't want to get killed. And so, Mine was a higher yeah. log line descript- <laughs> description mm, of the story as opposed strong. to digging into the details. Um, this is this is a this is a, if if these writers wanted to do an an issue of uh, Astro City is what this was. Yeah, me. I was like, oh, it's Astro it City. Did, you so. know, I it did have Astro City. I also thought Astro City while while reading this a little bit of Astro City, a little bit of um that Mark Wade well, irredeemable. She's, she's the play box, and I was like, that's Jack in the Box. That's an mm-hmm. Astro City character. Um, or the Toy Man. Although she, that's a hero. Yeah, toy Man. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, whatever. Toy Man. Um, Pat Oz, Jordan Blum is like a horror movie person. Is that no, that's oh, is he like a Blumhouse Blum. guy? That's Jason Blum. Oh, oh, are they? Whatever. You could see why I would be confused about that. I'm not sure who he is. I know Patton Oswalt is. Uh, he seems to be a uh, comic. Jordan Blum uh, is a comedy fan. writer. He wrote right. the Modoc well, show and was on Community. Oh, like. they did the they did the they did that Modoc series. Patton Oswalt right? was yeah. the voice of Modoc on that right. Modoc yeah. show. Um, uh, I'll go. Yep. I thought it was fine. 
I, I, I thought it was well done. I thought the characterization, the dialogue, and the art, I thought it was all pretty good. It was solid stuff. Don't really care. I just, I, you know, like, I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't, I, I, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't search out this story because it's just a, you know, a DC analog and, and right. it's telling a different story. But, you know, I like the, I like the art a lot. Um, you know, we were mentioning, Josh, um, how the, like you can use colors to make it more obvious that a flashback is happening. And this book did that mm-hmm. nicely. Um, so I appreciated yep. that because uh, it wasn't it wasn't as confusing of where we were in the timeline because of the, you know, the colors when we're back in time are a little bit more flattened and like um, sort of pop arty, you know, nostalgic yep. almost for a earlier, simpler time in the world when the when the modern world is a little drabber and gr- grungier, grungier. So, um, yeah, I, I really like the art. Uh, I agree. The story didn't, didn't fully grab me. I was, you know, interested. It, I, uh, it wasn't a slog to get through, but, um, no, it wasn't bad. I just, I wouldn't like, I, if I read this, I wouldn't be like, oh, I got to read this. You know, it's not, I'm not interested in it. Connor. Yeah. I mean, it was fine. If I, I, I don't mind pastiches like, you know, sex was terrific. Obviously Astro City is terrific. Black Hammer is terrific. Like, you can do interesting stories no. by building off of what we, what is familiar, um, and I thought this is this. I think Ryan is correct. The art was really good. Um, the character, the main character, who was sort of Toy Man's daughter uh, character, it was interesting. Her power was fun. That she takes like you know raw materials and turns them into deadly toys. Like I thought that was that was a fun power that I wish was a patron power. Um, <laughs> you know, it was okay. It was okay. It's a big. It had a big week. You know. On a big week like this, I very rarely check out new books. So I, I didn't really look at it originally before with Patreon Pick, and I probably I don't know if I'd read. I don't know if I'd read more. I didn't dislike it enough to not read more, but I didn't love it enough to definitely be like, yes, I definitely want to know what happens next. Um, but I do think the conceit's interesting, although not totally original. And I, I don't just mean the pastiche wise. I mean like the idea that there's a code. You know, this is very much a bo- um, Mm-hmm. The kind of the boys kind of empowered, like there's a code amongst heroes and villains. You don't cross the line. And when that happens, like it's, it's a major deal. Um, and you know, it was fine. And there's a villain bar. I feel like that's a, that's become kind of a trope as well, that there's always a bar where all the villains hang out. But to me, the, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's how do you, how do you execute on the tropes? And I thought the execution was fine. Yeah, I agree. You know? So, yeah. So, I mean, it was fine. Like I, I didn't, I didn't just like reading it. I, I enjoyed reading it, but at the end of the day, I finished it. So yeah, that was fine. I don't need more. Right, than but like, if the next, yeah, if the next issue comes out, are you like compelled to find out what happens next? Not compelled, but if I, if it came out and I had five books, I'd probably read it. Right, it's unlikely. Right. Yeah, so. I, 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 I don't care what happens next. Like I thought, again, thought it was good, but it, it just, I it wasn't something I want more of. Ratings. Ratings at five. Ratings. Ratings. Mm, three and a half. Yeah, that's that's what I was going for. I, I like three and a half for us. Mm-hmm. So none of us are sticking with it. I think Most I'm with you. Not. Like, yeah. I might, but I'm not. What is it? Is it Dark Horse? It's Dark, Dark Horse. Horse. It is Dark Horse. Yeah. Hmm. This would have been Image at some point in the past. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't say if uh, if it's going to be a limited series or not. I think if I knew it was only going to be like five issues or so, I might be more inclined oh, so to stick I, with it. But yeah, they, you have to assume everything is a limited series at this point. That's just the way it goes. 
And they're not doing 45 issues of Minor Threats. It's going to be, you know. Then again, they did a, they've did they done like 100 issues of Black Hammer, so who knows. Minor Threat is a loaded term. I did, I did think that. To some of us. Uh, you know, it's a it's a seminal punk band, and and there were kids, and there were minor threat. That was a, it was a wordplay DC band, right? And yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's the it's the Ur East Coast hardcore. Um, you know, Discord Records, they become Fugazi, blah, blah blah, all that. And so, it is not unusual to have uh, writers of comics who are in a similar demographic as me. You know, famously Remender, that's the thing he does. But I don't know that the title fits here because I get it that minor is being used in a different way, actually the more traditional way, but it indicated to me that there was going to have something that made me think of that. But maybe they weren't thinking of the band at all. I don't know. But uh, I guess they're minor because they're insignificant. That and also she's a, she was a kid and, and Robin was killed, so it's kind of like eh. there's a lot of, there's a lot of play here. The minor threats, I think, at the end of the day, is about the, it's like if... Kite Man and Condiment Man, and they all teamed right. up to take down the Joker. They're the, they're oh, the minor Condiment threats. Condiment King, right? Whatever. Yeah. They're, they're the minor yeah. threats in the in the in the in the Rogues Gallery. That's kind of what it is. I don't think the title works. I also don't like the design of the title. I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't look right. Yeah. Well, it was. It was sorry. Right. I know that's nothing, but like, like the. I don't know. Like the the. This is maybe my fault, but the title made me think it was going to be different than it ultimately was and so i had i thought about it is this the right title for it but who cares that's that doesn't matter just the thought process patreon.com slash ifanboy if you give it the five dollar or higher level well everyone who gets the vote every patron gets to vote no matter what you give but if you give it the five dollar or higher level you get a superpower live on the show ryan you're up i have a power that has been is about to be bestowed upon peter compton and uh this power is that peter has a, a rat that can uh, jump on the heads of other people and control them. Remy the Remy the Rat style. But it can't control him unless he wants it, but he can use it to control other people. Isn't that just Ratatouille? That was, a, I think that was a, different, but... Uh, did you think about this after you read Did you watch Threats? Ratatouille? I did. I did. I have seen Ratatouille. I did make the, the Pat Oswald connection, but I was, I was uh, in the kitchen before the show... Uh, was recording and I just had the thought of like wouldn't it be awesome if you could remote control other people using a rat friend and so like I just thought that would that would be a really cool power to have it's the hair pulling still freaks me out you just put the rat on somebody else and and that person can do what you want and you know I think some days I just need some help guys and this would be a way for me to get some help by 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 enslaving people via rat (laughs) that's that's your solution we can see the better hire an assistant, but who does that kind of? Cash? I need some. I need some help. Hey, what are you doing today? Oh, nothing. Hold, Come here. Hold look, still just, a second. Yeah. Crouch down. You met my pet. <laughs> Why is it pulling my hair? <laughs> Listen, you, when when the I'm, when you finish cooking the omelet, you can take a break and have a glass. I'm of water. not entirely sure, but I think that's a supervillain power. <laughs> Sometimes people take a, a villainous turn. Oh boy! Right. It's, it's difficult to spin that power into anything good. Like being that character, like the, the Justice League, like you can't be on this team. Yeah, but look what I can do. It's messed up, dude. Well, I mean, if you think about it, rats don't live that long, so he's not going to have this power. Like the lifespan. Wait, a it's of only years. one specific rat. Yeah, he's got one specific rat that he can deploy. That has, I'm that pretty sticks sure with if him. you if if you control people against their will for any amount of time. He could get consent it's first. It's not a good thing. 
He could get consent. Uh, okay, fine. I'm not <laughs> signing that. Wait, so the rat controls what I do and I got no say? Yeah. What do I get out of it? Just hold your head down. So, back up. Is the the rat... Does the rat like you want this person to like help you cook and clean and stuff? Does the rat know how to cook, or are you are you also directing the rat? Because in that case, you're still doing the good extra question. Work. Peter is able to like psychically tell the rat what he wants to have done, and the rat is able to take it from there. So he can just psychically project the idea of like, man, we really need someone to sweep the house and mop up, okay. and, and then the rat will control someone and, and help them do that. So it's not like a matter of like you know when somebody offers to help, but you're like, it's going to take more effort for me to explain exactly. To to this is this is the shortcut for that. This is that is okay. exactly it, Josh. Because the person will do it the way Peter wants it done. Uh huh. And it's just an this instant is definitely mind thing. control. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. The, I mean, the rat has to physically get to the other person and climb up on their head and start controlling them. I mean, this isn't even like a, a, a moral gray area. You're this is we're out of the gray. <laughs> we're in the black. <laughs> I mean, we said the powers Spider-Man would be dumb. Would punch you. <laughs> we said the powers would be dumb. We didn't say that they would be that they would always be appropriate. We did, no, we did not say that, and that's true. No, we're, not, we're not criticizing it. There are plenty of people who have been given patron powers that we would prefer not to use those powers, especially around us. So that's uh, part of the risk we take. We're not criticizing you. We're just pointing it out. That's all. Okay, that's fine. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's how you can get, get a patron power like page Peter. Thanks for being a patron. Sorry, Peter. Comes, comes great rat Sorry. Rat <laughs> we haven't apologized. <laughs> we haven't apologized to the patron in some time. Uh, I think we can do this question quickly. We're not that far over. Okay. So Adam from Orlando, Florida wrote in a while ago. Sorry, Adam. Your email's been in our script for so long. We've says, been thinking about it, even if you didn't think about it that long. Adam says, I've thought about this for about two minutes, which is not even Fair. enough to think about. But Who is the Kang out of iFanboy people? So I assume he means everybody who's ever been a, a host or a writer. It's got to be Paul, right? If Jonathan Majors is any indication, which one of us has the best biceps? He was a terrible Kang, and I hope they change his personality for the movies. Um, it's got to be Paul, right? Can we wait? Can you define? Can we the define Kang-ness? Kang? Yeah. yeah. What is? What are we? The the bombastic. Paul's not exactly. A, but there has to be there. There has to be something about conqueror. Kang that has That's to be true. both conquering, self-defeating, and I would argue fashion icon. But I Not feel like on. his personality is a major, major part of Kang. Like Kang talks about himself in the third person. Kang is overconfident. Kang, uh, you know, will, will monologue at you. Wait, overconfident? I'm out. <laughs> so it's who not is me. the Kang? No. I don't it's know that. I, does my fanboy have a Kang? I'm a, I'm, I want to clarify that none, none of this is bad, right? I, I think uh-huh. the, there's no there's no one to one analog to Kang and the fanboy crew, but there I think there it's are Ron. like <laughs> it is. He's even Richards. Mm, he's a Richards. That's a good point. He's he's the most world conquering out of all of us. That's very true. He wants he wants to defeat but his enemies. Is he self defeating? There's got to be an element of. I mean, again, I think that's maybe why this is a bad fit. No, 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 no. Does Kang ultimately reach his goals? No. Yes, he does. Immortus does. Immortus does. He gets where he needs to go. It's it's a part of the process. No, Immortus is Nathaniel Richards. Kang is Kang. 
<laughs> That's what Kang would tell you. Exactly. But it's not. But it's not. But he's he's delusional. He's too close it's to it. Ron. Ron is Kang. Yeah. All right. Not not a one to one. He's not as he's not as pompous no. as Kang. He's not a fashion icon. Not e- but he's not evil. Well, let's stay, let's let's come back on that pompous thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's gonna be pissed. We said he wasn't a fashion icon. He's not a fashion. I think icon. he knows. He, he might he have been it. in 1994. <laughs> I don't. Well, Kang I don't is agree a time, with that. Kang is a time traveler. <laughs> That's kind of true. You look at Ron, you think he's time traveled from the early 90s. Ooh, all right. ouch! I'm getting, I'm, I'm coming around. I'm coming around on this pick. It, it is it, like, and and anybody who's come on this show in the last five years, like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm sorry. It's, you have this is a, this is for long time listeners. Yeah. Why don't you time travel back to the earlier episodes? Adam, thanks for writing in. Contact at fanboy.com. You can write in there if you want your email on the show. Also, if you want to get on the media explode, put media explode in the subject line. Someone wrote in a media explode question recently that was about Grant Morrison. And I was like, well, we're not doing this on the media explode. We're doing, I mean, it's not a media explode question. So, uh, Grant Morrison makes media. Right. But it's like, what do you think of Grant Morrison's early work? It's like, well, that's a comic question. So, uh, just media explode is a non comics media show. I want to emphasize that because we, we always get questions. When are you guys going to cover Sandman on, on the media explode? It's for non comics media. Non comics. Okay, Top Gun Maverick. So there's no comic Maverick. In that. It is a comic book movie. Blackbird or whatever, but non comics media. The Poseidon Adventure. Blackbird is the name of the X Men jet. It's yes. just coincidence. <laughs> All right. It's also just everyone. Killer. Everyone know that we had a lot of technical problems with this episode. So everyone's punchy. Yes, the timing's a little off. Timing of the thing. SR seventy one. Let's talk about other shows we've put out in the last couple of weeks. Animated uh, Brain Trust show. Ryan and I and Paul Montgomery reviewed Green Lantern: Beware My Power, which I saw a commercial for during a baseball game. I was like, "What is happening right now?" That's weird. Uh, so you can check that out. That, that was that earlier in the month. Earlier in what month is this? Is this still August? Yeah. Is it going to be August when the show comes out? Yes, it is. So earlier in August that happened. Media Explode, which was just talked about. We did the top five TV deaths. Josh and Ron and I talked about that. That was a lot of fun. We had a lot of time. We laughed. We cried. We had a good time talking about that. And just this past week, right behind the show on the, on the feed, you can find Josh and I talking about Hulk Future and Perfect for the latest Booksplode. We had a lot of fun with that conversation. Based on the last two media explodes, it could you could rebrand it as an Anthony Edwards appreciation podcast. It's always I mean, Anthony in Edwards general. That's all. That's it's that's all I fanboy is. Yeah, like it's in the it's it's not on the site, but it's in the charter agreement. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not what we're about. You know, we used yeah. to make a joke about our what we're about and our platform. Our platform is Anthony Edwards appreciation. I don't there you I don't go. think there's anything. <laughs> so you can find those shows behind this one on the feed, and we will have a whole slew of new. Special edition shows coming out in September, which we'll talk about when September. Never comes. stops. Never stops. I do a show called Science Sort of, but I do want to point out that I, uh, I have been remiss in pointing out that I was a guest on two other podcasts that I believe I was asked to be a guest on because of my affiliation with iFanboy, so it only makes sense to mention it here. Uh, there's a podcast called Men of Steel. It's a Superman podcast, and I went on uh, episode 90 to discuss the It's Superman novel that uh, Connor and I both read a while oh, back and actually reread for the show. I hadn't reread it in a while. It holds up. It's a good, fun it's little, good, uh, little novel. It's a good novel, yeah. Yeah. So we uh, we discussed that on their show, and then I went on um, Blake Chastain's podcast, Exvangelical, 
Uh, Blake is a longtime iFanboy listener, and he does a show about being an uh, ex-member of the evangelical Christian community, uh, uh, in particular the American brand of evangelicalism. And you, you might not expect uh, my interview on that show to discuss my um, or iFanboy origins, but it did come up. So if you want to hear sort of the story of how I got involved with the blankets, the jokes, uh, blank, blankets. I don't know if I discuss blankets, but that is kind of relevant. Um, but yeah, so I was on the episode. Uh, he doesn't number his episodes, so it's just the Ryan Haupt episode of Exvangelical. Available wherever you, you get your podcast. Do you run these appearances by the brand department? Yeah, like we, sure we didn't hear about these things. Like, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, as this, I, this, I didn't realize get, I was supposed to get approved. approved. You have to get an approved in triplicate from three different oh, departments. Rogue. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's, I guess I missed that. Right, we'll I, missed table a, that. I missed that Slack we'll, channel. We'll to, jeez. Also, we have a show coming out that we the three of us guessed it on. It hasn't come out yet, so we don't want to plug it in case they have a problem. You never know with podcasts. So uh, we'll probably plug it next week, but it was a lot of fun that the three of us were on recently. Or we recorded it actually a while ago, but it was a real, it was a good time, and we'll plug it next week if it actually does come out. There were points involved, and you can pr- I want to see predictions in the Discord of, of the three of us. Who got the most points, who got the second most points, and who got the not most points. Anyway, that, that that should be coming out this coming week, but we'll see. We'll let you know on the next show if it actually did come out, and uh, we're, we're excited to talk about it when it does. You can find all the stuff that we have done at iFanboy over at iFanboy.com. That's our website. Uh, there's an archive of all the writing and uh, that people have done over the years and links to all the podcasts, video shows, all the things are there. That's where we put it. That's where it stays. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by following at iFanboy on Twitter, at iFanboyComics on Instagram. You can follow us individually at CSGO Patrick and Jay Flanagan on Instagram. And then Ryan is Haupt, H-A-U-P-T, on Twitter, and Ryan Haupt on Instagram. And finally, our YouTube page is at YouTube.com slash iFanboy. There are hundreds of video shows there that, that we used to do. Um, and so the archive is available for your perusal. And all, you can see all the shorts that we wore on couches. Also, those couches were not forgiving. Like, nope. we were all pretty thin back then, but it doesn't look like it because you sort of had that butt hunch up and everyone, <laughs> you had everyone to sit, hunching You had on to couch. sit on the edge. Yeah. You had to sit on the wooden bit, bit the wooden bit on the edge. <laughs> I combined bit, I combined bit and edge. So I said bitch. That's what happened. Um, you got to sit on that wooden bitch. No, bit on the edge. Yeah, and you had to. So you're. I remember. That's what people don't know is that when the cameras stopped rolling, we went, "Oh!" Like we had to like our. We let our spines uh, relax. <laughs> Whereas now, like now, YouTube videos, you have to be inches from the camera, sitting at a desk in like a gaming chair. Yeah. Right. That's not gonna happen. We, we didn't. You didn't know that back then. Well, we were pioneers. We, we were making the rules. Yeah. We didn't even have a fucking high def camera. I love. Uh. I love the idea of like pioneers. You think like covered wagons out on the open range. That's basically three white guys on a couch. That's basically what it was. Huge hot lights. There was no LEDs then. No, God, no, God, those lights. <laughs> those lights shorts. started at least one fire. That, that's how hot they were. I burned. I burned uh, one of the one of the scrims. Burned. Started started smoking because of the of the, of the light. Those. Those lights are in my basement, and like I don't know what to do with them because I'm like, who would want these? It's like, who wants this old Packard jalopy? <laughs> yeah. You'll turn it on and you'll start to sweat immediately. If somebody's doing set dressing for a YouTube show recorded in the early 2000s, like if they're doing a show about early YouTubers, I guess, yeah, but that would be it. We oh, weren't YouTubers. 
Yeah. We were on Revision the Revision Freers. Revision Freers. Hey, if you like the show. Hey. You, I'm so t- I'm so hungry right now. My my body like my blood sugar has just dropped below the the floor and I'm starting to pass out. If you like the show, pull, you got you got to you got to pull up before 5000 feet. I'm just I I'm not even I The hard deck yet. is a recommendation. The hard deck is absolute, Josh. <laughs> it's, it's it's coming to streaming pretty soon. It'll watch all the time. If you like the show, write a review, leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Even better, that's word of mouth. Tell your friends. Help spread that fanboy word. We thank you very much to who all who do that. It helps the algorithm, and we appreciate it. And that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Ryan. My name is Connor. I'm Ryan, requesting permission to buzz the tower. Useless, useless. <laughs> I think it was Eustace he was trying to say. I, I got to find out. Yeah, I'm